<laughs> Beauty lies in the eye of the beholder has become a popular dictum in the modern world, proclaiming the utter relativity of all aesthetic judgments while denying any universal standard for judging beauty. But does that hold true for anyone with a classical worldview, in particular Sufis, who have long been known as lovers of beauty? The focus of my talk today is a conceptual analysis of beauty according to a 12th century Sufi master, Ruzbahane Bakli, from Shiraz in southwest Persia. Since this is the only talk, probably, that doesn't focus on the school of Ibn Arabi per se, I'd like to start by pointing out certain links between Ruzbahan and Ibn Arabi. Ruzbahan was an older contemporary of Ibn Arabi, senior by 37 years, and died in 1209, which is when Ibn Arabi was 44 years old. Jami, a major thinker in the later school of Ibn Arabi, notes that Ruzbahan and Ibn Arabi used to be neighbors when they were living in Mecca though the historical authenticity of this report is yet to be confirmed. Ibn Arabi certainly knew about Ruzbahan um, because he, um, in the Futuhat al-Makiyah, he recounts an interesting story he had heard about Ruzbahan in Mecca, in which Ruzbahan falls ecstatically in love with a singing girl, though he soon comes out of this state. Um, perhaps we can talk about that um, full story, but we have time later. Noticeable in later accounts of Ruzbahan's life and thought, including Jami's Nafahatul Uns, are depictions of Ruzbahan as a lover and seeker of beauty. In fact, Henri Corban, in his Anislam Iranian, groups together Ruzbahan in Ibn Arabi as two Sufis professing a cult of beauty or a religion of beauty, somewhat reminiscent of Platonism. Having spent the past several years working on the place of beauty in Ruzbahan's thought, I'm quite convinced that he is not only a lover of beauty of the ecstatic type, but also a major systematic thinker and a major contributor to Muslim discourse on beauty, covering such wide-ranging fields as metaphysics, theology, cosmology, anthropology, and prophetology. Since it's impossible to explain his entire theory of beauty in all these aspects in 20 minutes, I will focus on one aspect of Ruzbahan's theory of beauty, namely the process of human perception of beauty and ugliness. In other words, what is it that makes anything beauty, uh, beautiful or makes anything appear beautiful? Or why do humans find some things to be beautiful or ugly? Is it a matter of taste or something else? What is the difference between divine beauty and the beautiful things we find in this world? Since this will be a conceptual analysis, it seems appropriate to begin with definition of terms. In fact, much of Ruzbahan's metaphysics of beauty hangs on the distinction he makes between what often appear as two synonymous terms, usually translated as beauty in English, namely jamal and husn. They both appear in the Quran and Hadith, though in different contexts and with different implications, as Ruzbahan points out. The first term... Oops... Actually, it's not switching. Ah, just a 
The first term, Jamal, is unequivocally translated as beauty in English and still is the most commonly used Arabic word for beauty. Jamal, in this nominal form, however, appears in the Quran only once in describing animals, namely cattle. It was only through the saying of the Prophet, God is beautiful and he loves beauty, that Jamal gained an official status as a term to describe God, not only creatures. In Bruce Bahan's theology and Muslim theology in general, the conceptual counterpart to Jamal is Jalal, which means majesty. The second word for beauty, person, is in fact a wider concept than Jamal in that it simultaneously denotes beauty and goodness, similar to the way the Persian word nikui and the Greek kalos signified the good and beautiful without distinction. Person and its derivatives, such as Hassan, Muhsin, and Ihsan, appear in the Quran much more frequently than Jamal, and they, they are applied to both God and creatures in the Quran usage. Um, in in Ruzbahan's metaphysics, the conceptual counterpart to Hassan is Qub, that is, ugliness. He understands Hassan as perfection of being and Qub as lack of being or simply non-being. Thus, his analysis of beauty and ugliness is ontological in nature, so it may strike as somewhat neoplatonic. Thus, um, his analysis of beauty, uh, sorry, however, to understand God's beauty in terms of perfection of being was in fact very common among medieval Muslim intellectuals, including philosophers. With regard to God's Jamal, Rizbahan discusses it in the context of divine names and attributes. A key Quranic verse for any Muslim discussion on the divine names is, to God belong the most beautiful names, husna. The most beautiful here is expressed by the word husna, the feminine superlative of Hassan, thus meaning the best and most beautiful. In line with most Muslim theologians, Rizbahan understands the most beautiful names of God to include two opposite types of names, that is, those of Jamal and those of Jalal, or names of beauty and majesty. These names often appear in pairs, for instance, the merciful and the wrathful, the gentle and the severe, the life-giving and the death-giving. However, the names of Jamal and Jalal together constitute the most beautiful name, names, al-asma'ul-husna, which indicates the more comprehensive or inclusive nature of husn over Jamal. Now, if the Quran says that God is the possessor of the most beautiful names and is the most beautiful creator who creates the human being in the most beautiful stature and loves those who do the good and beautiful and so on, why do we think there is ugliness in this world? Or, if Ruth Bahan's ontological analysis of Hassan and Qub reveals that beauty is reality and ugliness unreality or non-being, how is it possible for us to perceive ugliness at all? 
James Bohan writes, those who profess oneness know that a thing deemed ugly belongs to relative matters, for in eternity itself there is nothing ugly. Bruce Bohan is making three points here. First, God is beautiful and there is nothing ugly in him. Second, if there are things that appears, uh, appear to us as ugly, the perceived ugliness does not belong to God, but to the creatures. His third point, which is more implicit, is that there is a difference between what is ugly, qabi, and what appears to be ugly, which Rizbohan expresses by his special term, mustaqbah, uh, which I translate as what is deemed ugly. I should also add that mustaqbah is contrasted with mustahsan, which means what is deemed good and beautiful. Furthermore, he uses mustahsan and mustaqbah in contradistinction to husn and qubh. Husn and qubh have to do with reality or the way things are, whereas mustahsan and mustaqbah are modes of perception or the way humans, human beings see reality. Thank you. Put another way, mustahsan and mustaqbah are relative beauty and relative ugliness sandwiched between absolute beauty or being and absolute ugliness, which is utter non-existence. This implies that when we regard something as ugly, that is because we are focusing on what, focusing on what it lacks, a simplest example of which being a chipped dish. A chipped dish is regarded as uglier in relation to an unchipped dish of the same design. However, there are situations where people look at a single object and differ in their opinion of whether it is beautiful or not. How does that happen? Rizbahan writes, If God manifested himself from a thing to a thing, that thing would be beautiful, through his self-manifestation. While if he was veiled from, the, from a thing, that thing would be ugly. Ahmad ibn Atta said, concerning the meaning of knowledge, things deemed ugly are ugly through veiling, while things deemed beautiful are beautiful through his self-manifestation. Rusbahan ends this passage by saying, Deeming things beautiful does not occur to anyone except the one who sees the existence giver of things in things. Rusbahan is arguing here that when we find something to be beautiful, that is because it reveals God as if it is a sign of God. And this is in line with the Sufi notion of creation as a self-manifestation of God. However, when we fail to recognize God behind things in this world, we focus on how absent God is in them, which would lead us to consider them as ugly. Thus, perception of beauty and ugliness depends on whether we succeed in finding traces of God in this world. In the end, whether a thing appears as a sign or a veil of God depends on one's level of knowledge or clarity of vision, which needs cultivation. 
Another situation in which humans may perceive ugliness is when they are overwhelmed by God's majesty, Jalal, rather than by his Jamal. Rizbahan writes, The difference between things deemed beautiful and things deemed ugly is that God created what is deemed beautiful to be a mirror of gentleness and what is deemed ugly to be a mirror of severity. Severity came to be the locus of negation and gentleness the locus of recognition. An example of such a situation would be when we face either birth or death. We tend to rejoice at a new birth and lament at someone's death, with the former revealing God's life-giving quality and perhaps also gentleness, while the latter appearing to display God's death-giving and severe aspect. Because God's majesty and severity are harder for humans to bear, we tend to deem their manifestations as ugly, thereby negating, to use Ruzvahan's word, God's presence or his deeper wisdom in such times of trial. Indeed, we tend to regard God's mercy, gentleness, and forgiveness, which are all attributes of God's jamal, as mustahsan, or as beautiful, while we tend to regard God's wrath, severity, and vengeance as mustafbah. So then, what are we supposed to do? Is this the way we should look at things? According to Ruzbahan, Human beings need to need what he calls the eye of contentment, Ainurida. He writes When the eye of contentment is opened in the face of trusting God through the light of truthfulness, one sees the quiddity of being and the beauty of God's artistic creation that appears from that quiddity of being in all atoms. This is a bit um, dense passage, but he is saying here that the eye of contentment allows humans to find God and his beauty in all things. This is, in fact, the highest mode of perceiving reality. Ruzvahan describes it thus. Rizbahan described it thus, when a human's journey in passionate love is complete, he will not see anything deemed beautiful without seeing God's beauty in it. For this reason, the passionate lover loves beauty in existence from every beauty. Thus, at the end of the path of love, humans come to appreciate God's beauty in all things deemed beautiful. This is in fact the state of seeing things as they are. In order to achieve this state, however, humans need to purify and therefore beautify their hearts because they won't be able to perceive what they cannot find within themselves. Ruzbaham makes this point in his commentary on the Hadith. The believer is the mirror of the believer. That is, the believer's heart is the mirror of the believer's heart. He sees the the satanic infirmities in the soul of the believer that he sees in himself and cures through aspiration. Purification of the heart through repentance, seclusion, etc. is a standard Sufi practice, so I won't go into detail here. 
But once the seeker on the path has purified the heart of blameworthy or ugly qualities, it will be ready to mirror the most beautiful names and attributes of God. Ruzbahan maintains that these most beautiful names of God are the names God taught to Adam, embedded in the innate human nature, or fitra. This is also the form in which Adam was created, as in God created Adam in his form. In fact, the recollection and recovery of the innate human nature preserved in each human being is the goal of human life, according to Rizbahan. He describes the state of a person who has attained this goal in the following passage. When he is like that, he becomes the mirror of God's beauty in the world, like Adam, Joseph, Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad, God's blessings be upon them all, because they are the quarries of the innate human nature of beauty, fitratul husn, that derives from the beauty of eternity without beginning. The key phrase here is fitratul husn, that is, innate human nature of beauty. Thus, Rizbahan is calling our innate human nature beautiful. Furthermore, Rizbahan argues that in it is contained the memory of the day of Alast, or the day of the covenant, on which, in his interpretation, humans testified the lordship of God after they were shown his beauty when God said to them, Am I not your lord? Therefore, Friedrich Bahan, the natural human inclination towards beautiful things is rooted in their primordial encounter with the beautiful God. Through its experience, they had become passionate lovers of God. Hence, whatever they love in this world because of its beauty is pleasant and attractive to them because it prompts the recollection of that supreme beauty and eternal beloved, beloved that they witnessed. Thus, according to Rizbahan, for those who can recognize God behind all things, pursuit of every instance of beauty in this world becomes a search for God. Thank you.